Welcome to this week's edition of You Should Have Been Here Last Week, the podcast in which myself and fellow comic Paul Ricketts interview the many and varied uh, denizens of uh, the UK comedy promoting scene and ask them such uh, searching questions of how do you do it, uh, why do you do it, and of course, when are you going to book me? And mm. uh, this week's guest is, uh, well, he's, I think he's got 18 clubs all over the place, all over the country under the uh, guise of Barnstormers Comedy. Uh, it's Kevin Precious. Yes, Kevin Precious from Hull to the South Coast, which is some spread. Yeah. It is. And he used to be a teacher as well, a teacher, a religious studies teacher. Hence, he looks <laughs> like Jesus. He does a bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I, I should imagine he said he said the word Jesus many, many times when a comic has rung him up and his car's broken down or she's, um, you know, had an emergency or they just can't be bothered. Yeah, he's probably even <laughs> asked for divine intervention. Why? Why me? <laughs> he has been at it a long time, hasn't he? Uh, well over 20 years now, I think. Of course, there was his first coming, then his second coming. I think I'm pushing this Jesus thing too far. Yeah, I mean, it's time it to much. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Roll away the stone. Let's just get this yeah. <laughs> This morning, we have as our guest uh, is uh, Kevin Precious, promoter, proprietor of Barnstormers Comedy. And you've got gigs all across the country. Uh, I think you've been running them for over 20 years. I guess the longest serving is Horsham, which is 2004. Yeah, I've done. I've been doing the promoting for a while on and off. And as you suggest, actually, there's, they're, they're a, a mixed bag. We, we did have one in Bromsgrove at the old Artrix for a while, but that went. I've got one in Bromsgrove now, which is uh, at a lovely bar, but they tend to be southern-based and then a couple in the north where I've since relocated. Yeah, and there's not many promoters that have uh, gigs all over England. I think you're one of the few I could possibly... In fact, you might be the only one I could think of outside major chains. I suppose quite a lot of promoters are fairly localised, aren't they? I mean, I could could think of something like Mirth, if you like, Jeff's setup, where there's gigs here, there and everywhere, but it's kind of more on a a freelance basis as opposed to what I do, which is uh, part of the co-promotion. You know, I'm uh i co-promote it with the venue so it's a slightly different setup i suppose yeah yeah and you also yeah. mc a lot of them uh which yeah. uh, i know that uh jeff at murph control also mcs but uh yeah. there's a lot of open spots uh, who are chasing him around the country to find out he doesn't actually perform <laughs> a lot of the places he's built to perform at <laughs> great they're looking for yes that's, that's, that's uh, i do MC them yeah that presents certain challenges i have done a lot recently because i came coming back after the pandemic it's a bit weird sort of like not gigging for the best part of 18 months and then getting back into it and thinking i don't really feel like i'm in the same place yeah why did you become a comedy promoter what made you uh, want to do it i wasn't full-time as a comic my previous artistic endeavours had extended to music, which I know has got something in common with both of you. 
and uh, I actually trained to be a teacher. I'd started doing comedy earlier, uh, but I didn't want to sort of throw my entire lot in with it. So what I did is I started promoting gigs, also sort of co-promotions with Stephen Newby, you'll probably both remember that. So yeah. that I had access to stage time and could keep a hand in as far as the comedy community was concerned within my own sort of immediate vicinity. There was a lot of uh, caution at first because having been a musician, I, I felt like I needed to, you know, get my life on track first before I started. What, what's the first one that you had then? Is it Horsham then, the first actual gig that you had? Uh, I did, uh, I went into Seaford. I was living in Brighton and uh, life was kind of like, uh, sort of, I just started teaching and things were in a state of flux. And uh, I was aware of Seaford and uh, I thought, I'm just going to go to Seaford because my mum had lived there. So I went into Seaford, <laughs> went to, the, uh, went to the, uh, the tourist information and they pointed in the direction of Stephen Newbury's estate agent and said, that guy sells all the tickets for local events and we have got a theatre. And we started a, a gig at, at the Seaford Barn Theatre. He started it. I was a gun for hire. And uh, then we decided we'd like to expand the idea further. I mean, I actually had an established promoter. So I said to the guy, I'm doing a gig in Seaford, and he just pretty much laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but then very quickly, me and Stephen sort of developed a rapport and decided we were going to do stuff uh, elsewhere as well. The Seaford one was uh, pretty much a success straight away. Seaford Barn Theatre, hence the name, Barnstormers. And then... Uh -huh. Chichester, we were sort of like trying things in in um, Sussex more generally, and then at Horsham was the first art centre we got, and then that's kind of been the remit ever since, really. Yeah, I mean, have you got any tips that you'd give <laughs> uh, for aspiring for you know because you know the do's and don'ts? I mean, it's endless. The promotion is endless. Uh, you you cannot take your foot off the gas in terms of promotion. Yeah. A, because there's other stuff people want to do. There's other comedy stuff keeps surfacing. And people have very short memories, even if they have the most amazing night at your club. I mean, I personally put out posters and flyers still in those areas. So that's, you know, that's a bit of a commitment. And that's yeah. somewhat less glamorous than hanging out with the comedians and what have you. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the other thing as well is, is I would say have some respect for the acts. You see a lot of people getting a bit lardy dar sometimes on the pro comedies thing. These are the acts who've played this, so this is the standard we expect. And there's a constant sort of feeling that the promoter's placing themselves slightly above the act. And I, in, not in all cases, but I, I prefer to think as, it, uh, as you're working with. So, yeah, just have some respect for the acts and their, uh, you know, their skills base and the fact that it's quite a hard thing. Because I'm also an act, obviously, as you know, so yeah. I know the flip side of it as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, what you just said about the, the relentlessness of it, it sort of, it, it kind of applies to, um, uh, you know, to acts as well in the sense that now we're all required to be our own promoters, aren't we? Every well, day. yeah, the social media page, the Bizarrely, you could put out a tweet, and I would say more often than not, the acts don't do anything. With yeah. Them. What do you wish you knew before you started? I wasn't wet behind the ears when I started, so sure, uh, yeah. 
I mean, it's very, I suppose what I know that I didn't know is just how intense it is in terms of promoters. There are, there are another species again, I suppose, in the same way that acts are. And uh, there's, I suppose there is overall more ego involved than there is if you just maybe go and work in, I don't, know, I don't want to deride anything, but maybe you go and work in Morrison's or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of ego involved, and I kind of knew that because I've been hovering around fringes of the music scene. But it's, you, is it like I mean, is it the sense that you know cause sometimes acts can be like that with each other? There's a bit of there's a bit of rivalry going on, or you know, do, do promoters talk amongst themselves and say, "Oh, I heard so and so." Promoters don't aren't privy to the same conversations because they don't hang around in dressing rooms and and on car journeys together so you mm. don't get promoter conversations what you get a sense of is that somebody's set up maybe you know a couple of blocks away from you and uh while that you could argue the usefulness of that two ways you know sometimes you can create a comedy vibe in a place that hitherto didn't have one and then they've got two choices or you can suggest it's counterproductive but you don't tend to have those conversations because promoters don't have as much access to each other as acts do. I agree with you that they are sometimes more eccentric than the acts are. Yeah, a bit of megalomania. <laughs> uh, the idea that, I mean, I see that, that famous phrase, I think it's ascribed to Napoleon, isn't it? England is a nation of shopkeepers. Yes. It's very much like that. Very much like that. Each with his own little patch and... You, so, you feel quite proprietal about it then. Um, if you've got eight or nine gigs, slightly less so. But if you've got one gig, right, then the chances are somebody else comes along. You're probably yeah. quite proprietorial because you, if you not only invest your money, you invest your ego. It's one of those things. I suppose if you're at some kind of archetype dinner party situation and you get introduced as a new boyfriend or something and, and what do you do? Oh, I promote comedy. I mean, it's you can you can ramp it up a bit, can't you? You know, I mean, I can't be bothered. It's because it's like doing a bloody routine. You've got stock phrases. Do you know what I mean? You just end up sort of parroting all the bollocks that's been going around in your head for the last twenty odd years. You know, but, uh, but uh, I just want it to work. I just want the audience to have a good time and feel like the audience have had a good time. Have you ever had that situation where someone's done that to you? Uh, open a club like you know a couple of hundred yards down the road or so near as it's taking the piss well uh yeah same building <laughs> oh where was that where was uh, that I, I mean i'm not privy to say at the moment but people oh do. right okay but it seems to work sometimes that the, the argument goes the other way and you can have more than one of i've had people sort of suggest to me they didn't particularly like me being in the same vicinity as them <laughs> is that just generally yeah well it could be yeah what do you do i mean i'm sort of broadly speaking left of center but just give them a lecture on free market economics yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's essentially what it is it's yeah. very much it's very much free market economics in the raw albeit at the level of you know we're not we're not talking great conglomerates here we're talking no. Things ownership or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Could you describe your typical audience? Have you have you got an idea in your head of what they are? They range really. I mean, probably 
fairly settled, 30 and something and above, uh, middle-aged. I mean, I had the conversation the other week with somebody that, I mean, there's a lot of uh, people of a certain age, you know, say, let's say 50 and above, and you do get them, 50s and 60s, something, and they're all very welcome, do have uh, what we used to call disposable income, you know. Mm. I feel sorry for you younger people because it does seem as though every penny they have either goes off to paying some debt or whether it be a student loan or making the rent each month. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I'm middle-aged-ish, so uh, that, <laughs> that does reflect in the audience. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you often think that, that um, comedy clubs do reflect the, um, the promoter in some way? Do you think there's anything in that? I think they're more likely to reflect the compare, actually. I think the promoter, if, let's say I wasn't a performer and I installed a 20-something, 30-something compere, yeah, it's kind of like uh, you reflect your audience a little bit, yeah. So Ooh, uh, I have to disagree with that, seeing that I'm a compare and uh, a lot of the time I'm staring at a room of people who are definitely not anything like me. <laughs> Class-wise, yes, they might be, but yeah. uh, in other ways... Nothing like me at all. I mean, where have you compared recently? Where you um, so uh, Friday, uh, I'm in Kent emceeing. Which is handy, because yeah. you live in Kent, don't you? Indeed. So in that respect, <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I always thought Kent, actually, this is kind of how misguided I was. I mean, I won't get too much into the B word, but I always thought Kent would be the most enlightened place in relation to its proximity to Europe. So I thought, oh, these guys are going to be... Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 Turns out the exact opposite is true, yeah. 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 You know, a naive thought on my part. Yeah, I think we, we forget how well-travelled we are. Because when yeah. you talk to people that are not involved in this world and yeah. you say where you've been, and they're just sort of going, where? You've been, you travel, what? what? Because <laughs> most people don't, do they? They don't travel a lot. Well, um, I remember Mark Losara said a funny thing, and he said, if somebody said to you, there's 200 quid on a bar in Plymouth, it's yours if you're prepared to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd just go, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> <there> as well. <laughs> you'd be straight in the car. So, I mean... Yeah. It's, yeah. What changes have you seen over the years you've been promoting? What changes in comedy? And that kind of leads on to the next question, as, as in, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, a lot more people doing it. Uh, yeah. A lot less. I suppose in that way, it's slightly more demystified. There's, uh, it's not that. It's not that difficult a thing to set up a gig. It's more of a thing to maintain it. You know, that's the that's the trick. But yeah, if you pay the acts fairly promptly, then that's one way to sustain what you're doing. The minute that stops happening, you know, the antipathy is quite considerable. I would say, uh, in keeping with comedy generally, it seems a lot more mainstream generally. The sort of things you see it actually when. Like occasionally in Guardian articles or something when Stuart Lee talks about the 80s, which I wasn't privy to, and you've got all these people who couldn't do anything else and they're all like completely bonkers and got these uniquely interesting acts. And I know you were around at that time, Steve. I was, yeah, yeah. I think it's quite uh, homogenised, really, and I think the same with, with promoting, really. There's not... You, you, 
there's preferences. People will obviously go and see an act we've seen on one of the panel shows on the TV. But uh, where do I see it going? Uh, I don't know. It's for, I never, who was it said, never predict anything, especially the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what I've noticed recently, which I thought was really good, and a really excellent example of sort of bypassing any notion of gatekeepers, be they promoters, be they people who uh, run you know, big agents, TV, whatever, with somebody like Mark Simmons with his uh, TikTok following and his ability to yes. a, a tour schedule out of his own endeavours. I thought that was excellent. Hmm. I think Mark's great. He's not only a great act, he's also a great guy when you you know, yeah. sort of see and meet up with him. And I think if more guys like that sort of are able to control their own situation like that, then I think that's one of the positives for sure. Yeah. You know, age is a factor. And given that I'm speaking to people who are contemporaneous with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but do you think that the live, the live comedy scene is, is uh, it seems to be, after a sort of hiatus of when it came back, you know, last year, it was a bit yeah. tentative, but it seems to be gathering up steam again. And yeah, it, yeah. I'm hearing lots of reports of clubs of Fuller and... I didn't have such a great autumn as a promoter. Right. Uh, but January and February have been pretty good so far. So there is... But you would anticipate that. If they weren't, we'd know there was a problem. Mm. There's quite misery, of course. Uh, and therefore, the winter months are invariably the most productive... Can I see it continuing? I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of slightly cautious when it comes to sort of thinking in terms of boom periods. I, I, I've been around for a while, and, and they, the consistent thing has really been to make sure that uh, I've tried to maintain a standard in terms of, like, sort of gig the acts would want to play and the sort of gig the, the audience would want to come to, you know. Um, I think if you do that, there's a good... And obviously put in the effort, there's a greater than average chance that you will stay around, but whether you'll be part of any emerging sensibility, I don't really know. I've always just gone and sort of done my own thing anyway. I tend to take uh, I tend to take sort of things out of the, the sort of music thing I did prior to it. So I always see myself as sort of like a little a little indie label or something, you know, just yeah. getting on with it, beavering away, you know, and uh, yeah. hopefully yeah. doing uh you know, just try to maintain a level of quality whilst, you know, keep my head above water at the same time. You know? So um, what do you think makes a good comedy night? What's the important ingredients? Well, you've got to get variation in the acts. Don't always succeed because you haven't got, always got the options. Ideally, styles and diversity in terms of male, female, people of colour, LBTQ, probably missed the letter out, A plus, whatever. And disability as well, actually. There's quite a lot of comedians out there who have a disability and that have uh, got something interesting to say. Yeah, variation. You don't always get it. Sometimes you do get three blokes moaning. I think 10, 15 years ago, three blokes moaning, it, it would nobody would have batted an eyelid. But I think now there's possibly a greater expectation that be some variation in the bill. You know. Do you know what, Kevin? You just—that's almost like a marketing idea in itself, isn't it? So just get hold of it. Just go a comedy night, three blokes moaning, and just a chain of comedy clubs all over the world. Yeah, just forget about the clubs. This is what we're doing right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's more meta than you think it is. But it is. It's, unless you've got people who do one-liners where it's obviously wordplay, the minute it goes into the sort of like the more narrative observational type thing, it's it's uh, discomfort, isn't it? It's moaning uh, reframed as humour, you know. Yeah. It's not... But moaning for money is that's that's why you go two hundred miles to pick up that two hundred quid. Uh, well, two hundred quid that much? No, but I'm going to get my ego stroked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want to project my misery onto a group of people? Misery for money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what um, advice would you give to um, comics that want to play your clubs? How should they approach you, if at all? Uh, by the means, just approach me, send me some content. I don't, what I do is I tend to, if, if I don't respond, that means either it's not working or it's not ready or anything. But what I don't do, because I've had it myself from promoters, is I don't give them the third degree and the, the almighty thing of like, what I think you should do this, your comedy's like this. And all. Mm. I just think, oh, well, you know, it's like if you don't want to book anybody anymore, it's the, it's the opposite scenario, just do it quietly. If you chat to acts in the audience in the dressing room uh, as a, an act, sometimes and they say, "He said this to me," and he, or they said that to me about my act, and this is why they're not booking me. And actually, all you do is you create a problem for yourself as well, because the next you want to book that person, but you've created resentment in the process. So you, anybody's welcome to send. If I respond, then that's probably a positive. But if I don't, it doesn't mean the door isn't still open. So what happens if someone asks you for feedback, which is a, I hate when people ask you for feedback. Something in me dies, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Just turn the amp up. There's a bit of feedback. (laughs) I look like your dad. (laughs) 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 It's a fairly immediate response. If you've got a stack of laughs off the audience and providing you, you're not hateful. The chances are I'd probably say, yeah, that was great. What can I say? Do you know what I mean? But I can tell you so many instances of that myself where some clever clogs promoter has given you a stack and you think, what's your qualification? Well, the way I see it, I suppose anyone is an expert uh, judge on comedy. Audience sits there, they don't have to pass a test to get in the door, do they? They make a judgment by laughing or not. So in a way, anyone's allowed to judge comedy. That's what makes it different from acting. The other thing as well, this, I mean, the classic is where, with promoters, where you absolutely cane it and you have a blinding gig <laughs> and you never get another book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Would you book an act if they absolutely stormed it, but you yeah, find yeah. it very hard to get on with them? But yeah, if it's financially expedient, yes, but you just invite them to get there a bit later, don't you, before the speech. <laughs> <laughs> that was diplomacy at his best, that was. <laughs> you don't have to engage with that. So what's your stage time? You know, it's 11 minutes yeah. past nine. <laughs> <laughs> right. no. A volatile set of individuals, aren't we? You know. Indeed, yeah, it's very tempting because I've always been on the front foot in terms of like telling people what I think is correct. But, yeah, keep people on board, really. You know, and actually be try and be genuine and not just saying that's a calculated thing. If somebody does well, let them know, you know. Yeah. If somebody, if somebody doesn't do very well, 
what I suppose what I've learned overall is you just you don't have to ramp your ego up every five minutes. You know. You can... So, what's the best performance you've seen in your comedy club? I'm gonna say me. <laughs> <laughs> that was an open goal. That was. Yeah, despite everything I've just said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's been so many. It's impossible to list because a lot of them just got on their own merits anyway. Well, last one then. Who was the last one who, who ripped it up? Last one I saw... Uh, well, I haven't, uh, I haven't worked with Kane Brown before Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. a better word. He's an in a rip performance he's the best smelling comedian you you hug kane and you walk away smelling better than when you came yeah. when you went up to him it's very fragrant isn't he's it? a lovely smelling man that's what right. okay well i haven't seen him at one of ours until over the weekend yes definitely uh dan evans was on with you I mean, yeah he was slightly uh problematic member of the audience they said I'm you're not very good I'm going to the bar and Dan said well don't let me stop you <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna, we're gonna have to leave it there thank you uh, for thanks Kev yeah that was great yeah, brilliant. I've enjoyed it so that was uh, Kevin Precious and a very funny and interesting interview that was yes yeah and Woody's Woody's fantastic modesty that's, that's the best comic he's ever seen is himself and who would argue with that enjoyed that though yes it was good um we'll move on now to uh, the comedian's lexicon phrase of this episode and it's going to be they've always been nice to me <laughs> And let me explain ah, that. Yes, explain you, you, that better, you better explain that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So any comic, well, when they might end up having a discussion about a promoter who hasn't paid them or perhaps even another comic who they don't get on with or anything to do with comedy, any, any particular person, and there might be someone spilling their guts about how badly treated they've been by this particular person in question, some other comic will always say, be it in a car or on social media, suddenly some other person will say, well, they've always been nice to me. Thereby showcasing the innate uh, self-obsession of most comedians. Yeah. (laughs) They'd probably even say about Jack the Ripper, wouldn't they? Of course they would. I know he murdered a lot of people, but, you know, I'll say as I find, and he was always been very nice to me. Yeah, he was fine with me. Yeah, he was lovely. Burke and her, they mm. gave me quite a few gigs in the Edinburgh area, and I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, most of them were dead. Most of the audience <laughs> were dead, but you know, come on, come on, what are you going to do? It's yeah. very. I mean, we we've had that very recently on our own circuit, haven't we? Because of, um, and it applies to acts as well. With the uh, the famous case of a person that's gone to, well, it's going to go to prison and uh, has been convicted of uh, various uh, offences. Mm. And we can't really name them because um, people guess who they are. So. Oh, yeah, just like uh, a nonce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name's T nonce. Mm. Um, yeah, but exactly, exactly the same. People saying, oh, the, uh, you know, that's the other side of the coin, though, weren't they? Because people were then going, oh, yes. There was always something dodgy about him. I knew, I, I, tell, I, I knew about 15 years ago there was something not right about it. it which is like just bullshit, isn't it? You know? Well, of course. I mean, oh. I like, uh, people either say they mention the evil eyes or something completely random like, yeah. you know, well, brown broke shoes. I always knew he was dodgy because of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, drove a Peugeot. <laughs> <laughs> Left it is like those, uh, <laughs> but it's like those things after a murder when they interview all the neighbours, isn't it? You know. Yes, well, he kept himself to himself, you know, he wouldn't have, uh, and then there will be one day where he says, well, I don't know, you know, he may have gone mad with a, a semi-automatic rifle, but he's very nice to me. Yeah, he's wrong, yeah. Well, I always liked yeah. him. <laughs> always liked him, yeah. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is, they've always been nice to me. So that's the end of this particular episode of the podcast. And as always, I will say, uh, if, if you watch this on YouTube, then like, subscribe. Uh, in the description, you can buy us a coffee or just send us money willy-nilly if you wish. Uh, we accept all willy-nillies. If you want to send them to us, please do. Yes. Actually, so that's, that's going to replace backs, isn't it, in the future? Willy-nilly. Yes. Willy-nilly. <laughs> willy-nilly to follow. <laughs> may take four months I thought yeah. willy-nilly was instantaneous oh no 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 oh it takes a bit of time willy-nilly yeah. oh willy-nilly oh god he's got, he's got to build up to it he's got to get the will and then the nilly <laughs> <laughs> oh dear and, and also those people who um, who are downloading the podcast uh, please tell your friends and, and if you've got any suggestions about people that you want us to interview or subjects you'd like us to discuss or even words yeah. to add to our lexicon of comedic words please please go ahead and contact us so this is the end of the episode which we are dedicating in the memory of Gareth Richards who's a lovely comic who uh, recently died in a tragic accident and will be much missed on the circuit. So this one's for you, Gareth. Yeah. And we'll see you uh, on the next one. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.